want to welcome everybody back to Behind the Wealth. I'm Roger Abel, your host. I'm here with Elias Randall today um, to talk about probably the most asked question we're getting from clients right now. What is that, Elias? What will the uh, elections, how will the elections impact the markets? Absolutely. It's the one question that it seems like every single person asks. Everybody has an opinion. Um, and they want to know what they should do at this point in time. So we, we did some investigative research. I had Elias go out there and scour our product vendors, our broker dealer, to find out what the truth is about elections. And we came up with one presentation we thought was great. It's put out by Invesco, which is a, a mutual fund company. And it's called the 10 Truths About Elections um, and Markets, which I think is going to be important for everybody to know. Uh, each side kind of has an opinion as to what they believe. And one thing that we don't want to do today is at all make this a political statement. Um, we're not going to size up one candidate against the next. We're strictly going to lay out the facts about what happens or what has happened with previous elections and the outcomes of presidential terms. I was kind of laughing because I thought I was thinking about, you know, we've never made a recommendation based on an election. Um, so it probably shouldn't be that important to people. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I think over the years, we've come to learn that the outcome of an election over a long kind of time period, uh, which is what people should be looking at. If you're a day trader, then maybe it has, it has an effect. But if you're working on a long-term financial plan or long-term goal, uh, we found out the election has very little impact um, of what, what's going to happen. Obviously, in the short time period, things can change and things can happen. If we kind of keep that that long-term outlook that we always talk about, um, very, very rarely do these have a, a big long-term effect. Absolutely. So, so let's get in to the first one, and that is truth one. Markets have performed well under both parties, and that is the truth. Um, if you look at the last 12 presidents, so basically post-World War II presidents, yep. 10 out of 12 of those presidents have had positive market returns. Um, there's only two that have actually finished negative. Who are the two that have finished negative, Elias? So Richard Nixon finished with negative uh, returns for his time, and then uh, President Bush, the second President Bush did Is there as any, well. any insight as to, you know, and I can think of some reasons for Bush, but what about Nixon? Are there any reasons why, Bush, why Nixon would have finished kind of negative for his time period versus those other people? Yeah, so, so what I found through scouring the internet, because this was before I was even born. Um, but Federal Reserve policy at that time caused high inflation, which in turn was bad for market returns. So it really had nothing to do with Nixon's policies. Um, and he didn't serve a full term, so he had very little time. So his negative returns are more of a, of a reflection of uh, monetary policy and then short time horizon as well. So, Elias, then I can think of President Bush, and he finished negative because, really, timing. He just happened to fall into the worst financial crisis this country's ever seen. So so had he had a different ending date or even another year, it would have looked completely different. So right. that, that financial crisis really hit Bush. So both of those times we can explain why the presence ended negative. But if you think about it, if you're positive 10 out of 12 times, that's a win in most people's scenario. Right. And the other thing that I think about, well, and I'll ask, so have you ever built a financial plan with a four-year time horizon? No. And, and truth be told, if you have a four-year time horizon, you're, you're probably looking at different types of investments that probably are less correlated and less invested in the stock market, right? 
you're probably looking at more fixed right. income, short-term stuff, because we just don't know when we're going to need to use those assets. Um, you know, this year is just like any other any other year, right? We have two candidates. Both are going to make pitches to voters as to why they are going to make the economy better and wh why everything's going to be different. Um, President's, President Trump's been talking about the best economy ever, the best stock market returns. Um, what's the reality of that? Because we've done research so, on this. What's the real reality of those claims? Right. So, and again, not a political statement. Um, but if you look at the economy, how the economy has grown and market returns, um, President Trump is historically average. So he's right in line with every other 10 out of the 12 last presidents that finished with, um, you know, just average market performance and then um, average growth in the economy. Well, and if you think about it, if you just start looking at eight year, four, eight and 10 year time periods of the S&P 500, if we went back and looked at all these eight year blocks of time, most of them are probably fairly similar, which would make sense. We, we typically right. don't see um, big changes in those historical averages because we're looking at a longer time period. And that's like you stated earlier, when we do long-term financial plans, we're looking at a long period of time, not four, eight, 12 years, however many years it may be. Okay, Elias, one thing I think it'd be good to do is just do a comparison for me of Obama's term to Trump's term, mostly because it's recent. People remember what's happened in the last 12 years. What's a kind of a comparison between the two? Correct. So really, when you look, both presidents had a pretty modest growth in the overall economy, right about uh, 2%. And so really, I think if you look at kind of what it indicates maybe is that the economy and the markets are two different things, right? And this year is a good example because this year we've had a huge spike in unemployment because of the pandemic. But since March, the market has come back to all time highs. Um, so I think just understanding that markets are forward looking and they're pricing businesses in the future is another uh, important thing to consider. And really, will the election, you know, impact business investment? Uh, most likely it won't. Yeah, I, I agree. Over a long period of time, I, I don't think that's probably all that relevant. Um, truth number two is investors are better off being fully invested. Tell me why this is truth number two, Elias. Just goes back to time in the market. So, yep. and it doesn't matter whether it's we're talking about elections or just in general market timing. But anytime you look at research for markets, time in the market typically produces better returns over the long term. Yeah, and this is the question that most clients are actually asking: Is should I make a philosophical shift in how I invest my dollars? going into the election, number one, but then ultimately based upon, you know, what happens. And we went back and just looked at, if you had invested back in the Dow in 1896, which is when it started, yep. right? You just invested $10,000. You'd have about $6 million today. And had you done nothing. Had you done nothing. You just did nothing. You lived for a hundred and some odd years and did nothing. But we also went back and looked, if you would have tried to time the market based upon a political party, which is what people really are trying to do. They're saying, if this political party gets into the White House, should I do something different, 
right? Yep. That's what they're trying to do. So we went back, and if you would have tried to time the market, meaning I'd only be fully invested when a Republican was in if you were hoping for a Republican, or I'd only be fully invested if a Democrat was in, your investment would have grown only to about $500,000 had you had you tried to time political parties. Um, the only time from our research that one political party really has done better was there's a, there's a convergence at the financial crisis. Up until the financial crisis, both political parties had basically remained almost equal. Yep. And then Obama happened to come into the market at the very bottom or close to the bottom. The bottom was March 2009. Um, and they rolled that up. So there's the divergence at that point in time with overall returns of Democrats versus Republicans. So trying to time the market based upon what political party gets elected is kind of like fool's gold. It's not going to work. It hasn't worked. Doesn't mean it won't work one time, but if we look at past historical things, trying to be invested if one party's in or one party's out hasn't worked. Right. Yeah. And just in our example, it's a difference in five and a half million dollars. So to me, that's pretty significant. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, and it's the same thing we tell our clients when they call in, like, what should I do? Well, let's go look at your financial plan. And no part of our financial plan do I ever ask, do you care who's president? And what happens if a Republican gets elected? Or what happens if a Democrat? It's not part of the plan. It's not relevant. It's really only relevant to the media today trying to create a narrative for one side, right? For people yep. to listen to. Yep. Um, so what's truth three, Elias? So truth three, and this one, this one's really important. So we do not radically engineer the U.S. economy. So anytime, every four years, there's an election for the president, and you're going to hear a couple things. You're going to hear, well, they're going to make all these changes, and that's just going to be terrible for the economy, terrible for the markets. But the reality is with our system of checks and balances and the way our government works, um, America changes at an incremental rate. America doesn't change like overnight to a new radical direction. I, I agree. This is actually, I think, what people are most concerned about and what leads them to try to make changes in their portfolio is they're worried about what, what you call the re-engineering. So if Biden gets elected, you know, we're going to increase tax rates. Right. Or maybe the Green New Deal is going to come to the table. All of those things that are meant to scare people. And will they have an effect in the economy? Yes. But the effect's actually unknown. We're assuming the effect. Um, right. And we can, uh, so we can highlight basically since 1957, four major legislative events that either was going to cut government spending or increase it you know, so much that they could never afford it, whatever the narrative was at the time. And we went to, we did go back to 1957 because that was the beginning of the S&P 500. And what we do know is S&P 500 returns since 57 have been 10% annually. And that is during a time where these four different legislative events happen. So one, in 1965, the creation of Medicare and Medicaid. So we weren't around, but I'm sure people just thought, well, that's way too much money to spend. Yeah, I mean, think about it. If you, it, that's probably similar to what people feel about the Green New Deal or any legislature that's being presented is it's new, yep. scary. And I, 
obviously I wasn't around during that time, but I could imagine what the other party was saying is this is going to bankrupt America. There's no way we can afford to do this. Um, at the end of the day, it's worked. People rely on that in today's today's society. And once again, since then, the stock market's averaged 10% 10, a yep. year. It just hasn't made a difference in a long-term financial plan. Um, right. So whether it's, you know, Medicare, Medicaid starting, um, 1981, they passed through an economic recovery tax act. So lower taxes, supposed to lower government spending. 1996, Personal Responsibility and Work Opportunity Act. Essentially, it was supposed to end welfare. So that's going to cut a lot of government spending. And then in 2010, so more recently, uh, the Affordable Care Act and, you know, government spending was going to skyrocket. And I think not to, um, you know, get too far into the weeds, but if you look at the overall economy and government spending, so government spending typically makes up 15 to 20% of all the dollars spent in our economy. So then the other 80 to 85% is consumers and business investment. And it's been that way since the 50s. Yeah, and I think the, the Affordable Care Act is a very good example of how we thought everything in the economy would be re-engineered. And it oh, would yeah. be dramatic. And it was a dramatic change. But I'd argue that most people financially today are better off than they were 11 years ago if you were investing in the stock market. I'd say. So, so at the end of the day, it wasn't relevant. But I can remember those conversations with clients back then. Well, Obama's in the office. It's going to tank the economy. We're going to spend all this money. And yeah, we have spent a lot of money. But the economy's doing well. The stock market's at all-time highs. It hasn't mattered in the course of a long period of time. Um, had you invested or ignored all of the political commentary, all of the pundits, all of the media, which today it's harder than ever because we're surrounded by social media. This stuff didn't exist 20 years ago, right? Right. Um, maybe MySpace existed, but you know, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all these things where you get information light speed didn't exist. But had you just invested in 1957, you would have averaged 10% a year roughly doing absolutely nothing, didn't matter who president was. So it goes back to just creating your long-term financial plan to achieve the goals and priorities you want. You know, we had another video that we did and podcast on this, but the media filter, this is absolutely why a media filter is important because if we just look in the media, you'd be paralyzed right now to make a decision as to whether you should be in the market. And, and some people would probably be fearful and just pull their money out and they may or may not be right in the short term, but in the long term, history's shown us that they'll probably have positive returns. Right. So truth four, signature legislation is infrequent and its impact is often unexpected. Right. So we're, this is kind of like a finer look at, and a more recent look. So we just talked about four historical events. So these are two recent ones that everyone, it's probably top of mind, the Affordable Care Act and the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. So kind of the feeling behind the signature legislation, like with the, with the ACA, it was supposed to slow down business investment, so dollars going into businesses, and then no one knew how small and medium-sized companies would continue to grow. Well, although that's kind of what the anticipated impact was, well, 3.4 million small to medium jobs have been created since the Affordable Care Act went into place. And as far as the Tax Cuts and Job Acts, um, 
Job Act. So that was really supposed to be a boom in capital expenditures. Yeah, and we haven't seen that. No. I mean, we'll talk about it. The narrative is, oh, business is great. When in reality, business investment's been average, so it hasn't been this big boon for the economy. Right. Um, and part of the reason is they probably didn't get to fully implement everything that they wanted because after both of these key legislations happened, they both lost the House after the legislation. It goes back to why we have these checks and balances and why we're not going to radically re-engineer the economy. And, you know, the signature legislation um, really doesn't have that much effect over the long term. We, we as Americans learn to adapt, right, and make, make things happen. So some investors fear that corporate taxes rising or that the Green New Deal um, are going to just completely sink the economy. And in reality, the last two things that happened, we thought the same thing. And we keep chugging along. So um, I, I don't believe that the, the signature legislation will necessarily have that much of an impact uh, in the long term. Obviously, in the short term, you know, things happen. You know, people react. We're all emotional people. But um, in the long term, signature legislation hasn't necessarily tanked the economy um, or had that big of an impact or had as big of an impact as we feel. Right. Um, so the fifth historical narrative is not as you remember it. Um, conservative voters, you know, probably could remember Jimmy Carter because he was supposed to be bad for jobs, right? The narrative going into Carter was, oh, he's going to be bad for jobs. Well, in reality, he had a historically above trend for job growth and creation. So if you only looked at the narrative, you'd be like, oh, man, this is going to be good. He's going to be bad. When in reality, he was above average. Um, same with progressive voters that would that were against Reagan, right? Because Reagan um, was only good for the rich, right? But in the end, median job earnings were above average for historical time in his office. So, so what it means is we're, now we're hearing today, well, you know, Biden will be bad for business. Well, it could be exactly the opposite, right? So let's take a look at two more most recent ones. Um, what are the other two recent ones, Elias? So. <clears throat> So more recently, just talking about the last two presidents, President Trump and President Obama. So, you know, Obama's policy, so the narrative um, and kind of the prediction was, well, there's going to be massive inflation. The dollar's going to be weak. And then, uh, you know, China's going to outperform America. Those, those were like a lot of the talking points that you would hear. And actually, basically exactly opposite of those three things happened. Uh, inflation was low for his entire time in office. The dollar was strong, and then American equities outperformed um, you know, everywhere, China and everywhere else. And you know, the same with Trump and um, with Trump and his policies. Um, you know, supposed to be this boom. Well, he's been like slightly above average, but I don't think people consider slightly above average a boom. Right. Yeah. So um, it just kind of goes to show that. So you have all these talking points and you have the narrative, but are the predictions accurate? So truth six are this is great. Predictions tend to be wrong. The question we really should be asking investors should ask is should we be getting out of the market because of an election? Right. Right. Um, that shouldn't be the question. The question is, should be, how are you allocated? So this is kind of going back to our core philosophy of 
you know, we're not going to try to time the market, right? Because I, I, I don't believe timing the market can efficiently be done. But you may shift your investment philosophy between all growth or all value. If you look at this year, most of the growth in the stock market has been made up of five companies, right? It's, it's clearly a growth growth economy. Will it stay that way forever? We obviously don't know. But at some point, there may be another you know, equity asset class that starts to outperform growth. So the really question is, how should I be allocated? Is it time to reallocate? Um, and if you don't have a financial plan, it's really hard to answer those questions. If you think about what that financial plan or just plan in general does for people, it helps them answer the key questions that they want to know. How much should I have in stocks to bonds? Should I go to cash? You know, how long is my money going to last? How long is it going to take me to get to retirement? How long is it going to help me get to my goals? So true seven, monetary policy matters more. And this is probably more prevalent than ever. And what that really means is what what the uh, what the what the feds are going to do with monetary policy controls more of what the market does versus that of the outcome of the election. Absolutely. What we do know is that through history, history, monetary policy easing is good for the markets. And that's what we've seen this year with COVID. Um, the, the, the feds have injected a massive amount of money into the, into the economy. It's propped up the stock market. The stock market was up 60% in like four months. It's one of the fastest recoveries we've ever seen. And it's all based upon easing monetary conditions. I mean, we saw the Fed start buying bonds. Then they started buying high yield bonds and we're putting as many bullets behind the economy right now as we possibly can. A monetary policy um, matters more. So a recent example and a good example, um, you know, you're just talking this year, monetary policy has been easing. It's been good for the markets. Well, if you look at 2015, the Fed raised interest rates four times. So did all of a sudden President Obama become bad for markets because market returns weren't that good in 2015? Or did the Federal Reserve raise interest rates four times, which was bad for markets that year? We actually saw this a little bit through Trump's presidency as well. Two, right. I think it was two years ago, we started to boost up interest rates and we started to see a flattening of the, of the stock market returns. Truth number eight, markets don't care if you don't like who the president is. This is my favorite truth. Well, I'm going to let you run with it then, Elias. Okay, so I thought this one was really interesting. So we compared um, approval rating with market returns. And here's what it looks like. So the approval rating spends the most time between 35 and 50%. So in general, a sitting president's going to have an approval rating between 35 and 50. It does fluctuate a lot more. It fluctuates way more than the stock market. So when you look at this, approvals up and down all the time, market consistently continues to go up. But, you know, really, the main point is the markets really don't care if you like the president or not. So, you know, on November 4th, here's what we know. We know basically half of the country is going to be upset. And regarding your portfolio, we can say it's okay. You'll be all right. Yeah, I agree. Over the long term, it's not going to matter. And like you said, Markets don't care who the president is. They don't. Number nine, this is not the most controversial election. I thought this was good because when we talk about today, we all feel like, well, this is super controversial. All these things are going on. We're all concerned about who the president's gonna be and you know, all this stuff is gonna change. 
Um, and you hear in the media, unprecedented times, you know, really controversial, the politics in America, all the different things happening in the world right now, which we don't want to get political or go into any of that. But, you know, I feel as if it's very controversial what's going on. Um, but in reality, this has been going on forever, right? right. The, the big term we hear in the, in the news and the media today is fake news. Well, politicians have been calling the news fake for a long time. In fact, it started with George Washington. You know, the newspapers filled with all the incentive that disappoint ignorance of facts and malicious falsehoods could invent to misrepresent my politics. That was his quote. So the very first president of the United States was already calling out the fake news media. Right. Um, um, you know, our recency bias, like we talked about earlier, has us believing that fake news is this phenomenon that just kind of popped up overnight. Right. Um, right. But it, but politicians have been saying it since our founding um, founding fathers. So the whole fake news thing, we can just forget about it. Been happening forever. Nothing new. Um, and it probably won't be anything that won't happen in the future. Number 10. Don't take punditry as objective market analysis and focus on the key indicator. Um, good example. This is great. In, on September 7th, 2016, Mark Cuban said, in the event Donald Trump wins, I have no doubt in my mind the market tanks. Right. And I, I remember him saying this. Yeah. And I'm not, we're not calling out Mark Cuban. Right. In no way are we calling out Mark Cuban, but this is what punditry does. They make predictions that tend to be wrong because they're just predictions. Or as we say in our office, if people predict the same thing enough times, eventually they'll be right. So if Correct. he keeps predicting it, maybe he'll be right. But over this period of time, it's been an average stock market. We're gonna call it what it is, right? right. It's not been phenomenal, it's been an average stock market, but it surely hasn't tanked. Um, uh, Michael Boskins, here's another one on March 6, 2009. Obama's radicalism is killing the Dow. Our new presence policies are designed to radically re-engineer market-based economy. Well, the fact is the market is sitting at about 27,000 points in the dial, 3,200 on the S&P today, which is significantly higher than it was in 2009. Right. Um, so I think one of the things you realize is the pundits, they're gonna make their predictions. They're gonna say what they believe will happen. If we take a long-term outlook on this stuff, most of the time, it just doesn't matter. Right. And you can't, another thing I'd like to remind people, you can't take the an opinion of a disappointed voter as like objective market analysis, yeah, right? I agree. Yeah. Because it's not objective. It's subjective to their opinion. We all Correct. have, we all have our own opinion and own biases. And part of what we're trying to do here is just cut through those and say, these are the facts, regardless of what side you're on. Right. Right. And I think what what we're saying is it's not we're not saying it's not important to follow the election. But what we highly recommend anybody do is not become emotional about who gets elected. If you're having anxiety and trying to figure out what you should do, it's probably time to go visit, revisit your financial plan. If you don't have one, go create one. You can go to btwellshow.com click the contact button. We will help you create a plan to deal with these things. So you get over kind of what I call the economic anxiety of what's happening with an election. You know what? I'm going to leave it with this. We obviously don't know what's going to happen, but predictions tend to be wrong. So we don't want to be in the predicting business. We want to be in the 
the you know analytical analyzing of our financial situation, our financial plan to help us make fact-based decisions. Um, so that'll end this episode. I want to thank Elias for joining me here today. Uh, this is Roger Abel. Catch us next time. Go to our website at btwellshow.com. Uh, we look forward to getting you at the next episode. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in the show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Inc. and LPL Financial do not offer tax advice. Please consult your tax professional.